0: Uh, so, so when, when, uh, when John and I got the nod to, to preach, we, we kind of looked at each other and were like, hey, let's try something new. We're going to do a little tag teaming this morning. Yep. So, uh, there's going to be a little, little bit of back and forth, some questions. We may even interrupt each other with, with some ideas or thoughts as we go. Um, but we're, we're jumping into the, the third piece of a four-part series uh, focusing on what we, we're, we're calling the four pillars of intentional community groups. And uh, you know our vision for, for intentional community is that we that, that there would be depth of relationship with God and each other so it's marked by depth that it's marked by transformation that we are being transformed something that we can't do in and of ourselves but we are being transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit in us uh, together and then lastly that we're living missionally that, that our lives just aren't focused internally but but the, the the trajectory of our lives, we are intentionally engaging with the world around us to love, to serve, to proclaim and demonstrate the, the gospel. So you follow me on on those? Depth, transformation, and intentional missional living. So that that's our vision for intentional community groups. And then uh, the the four pillars is saying, it's almost like four ingredients. This is the way I explained it a, a couple weeks ago. Four, if you're going to make cookies, you can make a lot of different kinds of cookies, right? Chocolate chip, oatmeal, peanut butter, but if you're... You can get this, maybe there are some really creative like paleo uh, recipes out there that are different than this, but you're at least going to have flour, you're going to have butter, you're going to have eggs, and you're going to have sugar, right? You're, you're, those are those are the main ingredients. So we're saying with these four pillars, these are these are the core ingredients that that we believe coming out of out of scripture. Uh, and man, there's 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 no one way to do this, right? We're we're not saying this is the only way to do it, but but these are things that we've latched onto that we believe that that are significant uh, in in pursuing the Lord together. So, word centered was the first one. We are script, a scripture centered community, the body of Christ, and and then uh, coming after that, help me, I'm. I'm, I'm, I'm Presence based, that that the the presence of the Holy Spirit, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in the context of community together. We want that. Without his without His Spirit, we don't have anything, right? Okay. And so this fourth one is or third one. This is we're focusing today on kingdom relationships. Uh, and and is, is, there we go. Okay. So king, kingdom relationships. We pursue authentic relationships by humbly and sacrificially choosing to relate to one another. In God's way. And so, uh, John, why, why, tell us why, or just kind of kick off this time by talking about why is, why are relationships one of these four pillars? What, what is so significant about kingdom relationships that we would say it's one of the key ingredients?
1: Awesome. So all four of these pillars, we actually see them in the original design of how God created all of us to exist and function on this earth. And so I'm going to take us back. I'm going to get some uh, drawing skills going here. Any artists in the room? Come on. Technically, I think you're all artists because we're all creating God's image. So anyway, any artists in the room?
0: We got Come on, every
1: hand, every hand can be up for that. Here we go. Come on, that's right. We got some creative types. Again, that's all of us because God's creative. Um, So I'm going to make everybody feel really good about themselves this morning, because this is low bar for The key, for the key question here. for an so, artist is not, what is it?
0: But can you tell me about it?
1: <laughs> Come on. So we're going we're gonna to do a little bit Can you tell me this. about your drawing? <laughs> okay. So I want to bring you into the story of all of us, all of our story, the beginning. So Genesis 1, 2, 3 talks about the beginning and how God... Uh, has created us. Okay, so this is we see all four of these pillars there, and so that's why we're saying these are so important to how we live now. We're going to focus in on this idea of kingdom relationships today, but uh, I want I want to show you something here. So, okay, in the beginning, you've got God. Okay, this is this is a crown. So he's that's God. Okay, he's got the authority. He's the king. Uh, there's a lot of things that who God is, but he is the king of this earth that he created. So we see God, he starts creating. Anybody? Well, I'll just go. If you got some stuff, you can call it out. But he creates light and darkness. Uh, day and night, he creates these things. Uh, sky, seas, land. And so when God starts creating all these things, we actually see in Genesis this common refrain of God looks out, observes what he's creating, and then he speaks back his perspective or what he thinks about what he's creating. And so light and darkness. We see he goes, it, I see, it says it, God saw that it was good. God saw that it was good. So he's got all these different things. Uh, I'm going to add a couple more drawings in a second, but Plants. Trees, vegetation, Sun, stars. We've got this whole created order that God creates. And time after time uh, it says, "And God saw it was good." Okay, so, so we've got, we got a sun here. It's good. Whoop. Good. My handwriting also stinks. Sun. So, so then we've got, we got some trees. All right. What, was, what were the trees? Good. We got some birds. You know, you do like the, the V and W thing. That's how I learned it. Uh, what, were, what were the birds? Good. Come on. So good. Uh, there's like streams. We'll make some streams there. Animal goes beyond my ability, but there we got like you can name the animal. Pick whatever animal you want to be. I was going for dog. But uh, that can be whatever. Uh, okay, so even, even that, I mean, definitely dogs, come on, they're, they're good. Uh, we got all sorts of things. Uh, okay, let's just do, let's do a, a fish here. So, you know, populate the, the river, the stream with some awesome fish. So all this is good. So then, what happens next in the story? Some of you may know, but um, God creates a human. And uh, it's it's actually it's it's pretty interesting. Uh, well, so he creates this human, and the human is in a relationship with God, and this human has a relationship to, in a sense, with all of this good creation. And uh, actually, the human was created to be a little ruler also underneath God's authority, that this human was created to actually help rule and work uh, the land. All this is how God created it, to interact with this good creation. And so this really interesting thing happens in Genesis 2, because you've got this scene, uh, the man, the the human, the man, as perfect intimate relationship. Sorry for those of you over here. Uh, Perfect relationship with God. All of all of this human's needs, physical needs, are being met. And it has, this human has meaningful purpose in, in, in its work, in its vocation. And yet God looks and gives this, to me, a surprising response. Now, I'm not sure if you know what his response is, but his response is this. Not good. Isn't that crazy? Good good, good, good. God looks and sees this human in the midst of all of, its work, all of his work and he goes, it's not good. That's just amazing to me. Now, I want to read you why, why God says this is not good. Uh, I'm going to read from Genesis 2.18 in uh, Eugene Peterson's translation uh, called The Message. It should be up on your screen. It says, God said... It's not good for man to be alone. I'll make him a helper, a companion. So then as the story goes on, you actually see God bring all of this, all these different parts of this good creation, the fish, the animals, the, the, the birds of the air. He brings them before Adam. Adam names them. But there, there's kind of this, this, um, story being told of, can one of these animals or mammals or, I'm not a scientist, you know, these created things, can these be that companion? Can these be the thing that help it go from not good to good? And uh, we find the answer to that in verse 20. And uh, verse 20 says, the man named the cattle, named the birds of the air, named the wild animals, but he didn't find a suitable companion so this very thing that's not good it's not solved by interacting with all of the other created order in an amazing way it's not solved by the man's interaction with god but it actually becomes solved through his next cre- god's next creative activity but before i unveil what that is uh, i want to read uh, a quote from a book by uh, by John Ortberg. The book is "Everybody's Normal Until You Get to Know Them." By the way, one of my favorite titles of any book. Um, but uh, he says this: He says, "Sometimes in church circles, when people feel lonely, we will tell them not to expect too much from human relationships." that there is inside every human being a God-shaped void that no other person can fill. That's true, but apparently, according to the writer of Genesis, God creates inside this man a kind of human-shaped void that even God himself will not fill. Isn't that amazing? That God creates in in, in humans, a human-shaped void for meaningful, deep, intimate relationship with other humans that even God himself can't fill. Now, it comes under the authority of God and in relationship with God, so it's not an alternative or a substitute, but that in that place of priority, God does something. He creates another human. He creates woman. And he creates uh, a companion. And then what happens? For the first time in the whole uh, creation narrative, not only is this good, but the whole thing, very good. This is what God has designed us for to not just be in relationship with God alone or living in a world of other created things, as great as all those things are. They're good. It's really good. But God created us to experience very good. And very good only happens when we're in meaningful, deep relationship with other humans, with other people that he's created. Now, this isn't the end of the story. Uh, for actually the whole story, I commend to you the Bible. It's what the whole Bible's about right here, the whole story. So I just commend that to you. But the key to staying in this place of God's very good creation in, relate, in all these relationships, there's one key, and it's that we honor God's way of doing things. That as long as we honor his way, that it will work. That there's a very goodness, if, you can, if, you can, if I can call it that. And so, you might know the story, but as the story unfolds in the beginning of Genesis, what happens is that man and woman, Adam and Eve, they dishonor God's, their relationship with God. And actually put themselves in the place of God. And they reject his way. They turn their back on him. And what happens is that that's not the only relationship that gets broken and messed up. This relationship now gets all sorts of messed up. Uh, I'm I'm not going to read it for the sake of time. But when you read what unfolds, blame, shame, fear begins immediately right out of the gate. When they turn their back and reject God's authority, Right away, this relationship starts getting broken and they start blaming one another and there's shame that exists and there's all sorts of fear. And then this this all starts getting broken. And all these things that were created to be good in line with how God designed us, brokenness, division, all these things start, start to happen. Now, the good news is that God didn't reject or abandon his creation. He stuck with us. The next thing that happens is that God comes walking in the garden and re-engages in relationship with with this man and this woman that he created. He he re-engages. And as I mentioned, that is the story then of the Bible, a God that is in pursuit of his creation, of every one of his kids. Uh, This is what God's design is. But there's all this mess that our, our, our original parents, so to speak, made, and honestly that we continue to make over and over and over again all throughout history. Uh, we keep making a mess in our own relationships because we reject our relationship with God, and we reject his way of doing relationship with one another. And so that's what this concept of kingdom relationships is all about. That God has a way of doing relationship with one another that is going to be good. In fact, it's very good. And that's what we're longing for in the midst of intentional community in our lives. Um, So, Brendan. What's up? I'm going to kick it to you now. Um, So. What does this chicken scratch up here have to do with living in 2019, uh, part of Antioch Waltham, living in the greater Boston? Um, what's what's the connection? Help help us understand how. Yeah.
0: Well, first how off, how to why, connect this? Well, first off, why why do relationships always got to get heavy? You got heavy on us. That <laughs> was good. Everything was good, and then it all got heavy. <laughs> and in true relationships, they get heavy, and we need, we need hope, and that's why the kingdom is coming. The kingdom of heaven is here. So uh, man, when the rubber meets the road, and John just said this, we call it kingdom relationships because Jesus, not, not, a, not a theory, not an idea, but a person is in the middle. So as we talk about relationship, there's kind of a middle to the room because of the way that I just want you to think Jesus is in the middle. And kingdom relationships means doing relationships through him and the way he does them. And man, we've got all kinds of narrative, all kinds of direct instruction in the word about what, what kingdom relationships look like. And we're just going to talk about a, a couple of those things. But um, man, Jesus, there's, there's multiple times when Jesus is interacting uh, with people on, on the earth, or then in the epistles it's unpacked. Where it's it's pretty simple, right? Right? Love God, and love one another, and, and and at its core, that's what kingdom relationships is: is loving one another. And and you know, as as John literally illustrated here, in in the garden, there is the, the, God creates this place for relationship with each other, this void. But but in the garden, his infiniteness in the context of that, that relate context of that relationship, there's a flow, right? Because they are connected with him in their relationships with each other, the infinite nature of the Lord is, is is there's a flow that's there. And then when sin comes, that flow of his infiniteness in the context of relationship is cut off. So all of a sudden we're trying to relate to each other, filling each other's void, but we are finite, right? And I can only fill so much of your void until I'm empty. And then what do I do? So I, if I'm going to give you something, i got to get something back. And then this cycle happens if we are not tapped into the infiniteness of the Lord. Does that make sense? We've got to have his infinite filling for our relationships to work. So as John and I were talking, there's... In, in, in the context of the, of the brokenness of relationship that happens because of, of the curse of sin, there's two questions that I feel like are super helpful when the rubber hits the road. That really means a lot to me in the context of life with, with you all. Uh, I, I feel like it's, it rings true, too. And One question is, in the context of a relationship, how am I, or so how are we, getting our needs met? We, we, John just talked about we have need. We have relational needs. We have, there's, it goes way beyond that. We have emotional needs. We have physical needs. We have mental needs. Uh, we are whole beings. So how are we getting our needs met? Because in the context of relationship, kingdom relationships, it matters. <laughs> uh, and then the second question is how do we do conflict? Because hmm. in the context of relationship, navigating conflict is a daily thing, right? Right? It is a daily thing, and some conflicts are a lot bigger than, the other, than others. But, but so those are the, those, I want to look through those two lenses. Uh, how do we get our needs met, and how do we do conflict? Real quick, in the context of Galatians. So Galatians 1, uh, or Galatians itself, uh, Paul is talking about what does it mean to, to not necessarily live under the law, but live in relationship as adopted sons and daughters with the Lord, and, and walking by the Spirit. So he's contrasting living under the law versus living, under, uh, uh, living, uh, walking by the Spirit, living uh, in the in the flow of of the Spirit. And then the fifth chapter, which is where we get the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, there's there's this there's this really neat combination of things going on that I think relates to what we're doing here. Um, so in verse 13, I want to pick up in verse 13 Galatians 5:13, "You my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh, Rather, serve one another one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So in the context of meeting needs, we've got to walk by the Spirit. And if we walk by the Spirit, what does it say? We won't gratify the desires of the flesh. And and, and I want to to tie in to this walking by the Spirit with the picture that Jesus, as He's teaching His disciples in, in John 15, says... You've got to be connected to the vine. You're the branches. I'm the vine. But if, you don't, if you're not living, abiding in me with the flow of my life coming into you, you're going to die, number one. And, and, and you're not going to bear fruit, number two. And, and so in the context of, of relationship, I want us to be anchored in this walking by the Spirit, abiding in the vine. That's how we get our needs met in the context of relationship. And as we're talking about uh, meeting needs, I, I mentioned this a second ago, and I, I just really want to say this is so important. And that is a lot of times, in, in, and this is something that John and I were talking about, in, in the flow of our own lives, uh, and, and even going back, I mentioned last week that I was I was a part of facilitating a Pure Desire group, and this actually relates to uh, you know a journey of healing and wholeness, and that is. We have physical needs that relate to relationship. You know, that, that if, uh, if, if I'm not physically, there's, there's physical things that actually affect my brain. <laughs> that if I'm not physically active, as, as, as much as I'm able as a man, my wife, my kids, the, the, the church that I pastor, they get less of me relationally if I'm not taking care of my physical body. Uh, same thing. Same thing uh, in terms of mental health. There, there, there are things that we need to do uh, that we can't necessarily even do for ourselves. Sometimes to be to be healthy, create create rhythms where you have space to rest. Uh, you know, lack of physical rest can cause mental health issues. Period. Just that one. Just that one one barrier. Uh, but, but but the flow of our lives. Sabbath. Uh, rest uh, r- space for relationships where we go deep Th- these are what we our care for ourselves in the context of our whole being mental spiritual physical it matters in what we bring to relationships and uh when we get to The fruit of the Spirit. I just want to read the fruit of the Spirit in in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things things, there there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. So another way of looking at the fruit of the spirit which which I think is an appropriate way uh, to to look at it is that fruit comes from a healthy tree that's been nourished. Is that right? So so if we as followers of Christ, if we have this fruit in our life, I believe that means that that there are things that we are receiving, there are needs that are being met on a moment by moment, day by day basis that's causing us to flourish and bear these fruits that the Spirit can only bear in us. And so I just really want to encourage and affirm that it takes a lot of intentionality to pursue the Lord, press into His Spirit, let Him be the guide, let Him be the shepherd, walking by the Spirit. Let Him teach us, what does it mean for me to have the needs that you've created me to have? What does it mean for my needs to be met? And you're right. Walking this, walking this balance of being so internally focused, can we fall into? Can we? Can we constantly, especially in this culture, which says that getting my needs met is the highest goal, period? Can we fall uh, in, in, in knowingly or unknowingly into into this pit of being selfish? Absolutely, and and I believe that we have that admonition in Scripture quite often, but I do believe that there that there is this. This uh, highway of holiness, to use a, a, a picture from Isaiah, of walking by the Spirit and having our needs met in a very healthy way. And let me tell you, it takes work. It takes a whole lot of work and a whole lot of honesty with the Lord and a whole lot of honesty with each other. We can't do it without each other. Feedback, and that's where conflict uh, is involved. Man, I've used up all my time <laughs> uh, uh, to talk about conflict. But the one thing I want to say is... Our natural our natural bent when we have conflict, and it doesn't even have to be a, a, a big deal, but it's a big deal, small deal, our natural con, uh, uh, bent is to pull back when conflict happens. And I just want to encourage you, conflict is not fun, but you know what's on the other side of conflict? It's deeper relationship. It's deeper intimacy. And it's, we actually cannot have Deep relationship without going through conflict. So, if you're a conflict-averse person, <laughs> like me, I'm so sorry, but you got to deal with it. And so, I want to invite you, walking by the Spirit, to begin pressing into conflict, not avoiding it, uh, but pressing, pressing in. And it takes a whole lot to learn how to do conflict. So, if you're having trouble with conflict, you know, there's like the Matthew 18. If you go to a brother. Uh, who has sinned against you, and he doesn't listen to you? I feel like we look at that passage and, hey, there's failure going on. There's people who are sinning. There's people who are failing going on. But honestly, yes, there can be sin involved. But I want to take the pressure off. Hey, if you can't work something out relationally, bring somebody else in. That is not a failure. That we need that. That is who we are. We I, and I, I don't know why I'm talking about conflict because there's no conflict in my family or in my marriage. <laughs> you should you should have been the one because I. Didn't, we all have conflict. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We all deal with conflict. So let's not pretend we don't deal with conflict. And, and, and this is especially true. I mean, you can't avoid it in marriage in, in room, with roommates, with, uh, with our kids. You can't avoid it. But in, in relationships, they're a little, less, a little more loosely bound in the context of, of a congregation like this. You can actually avoid it. You're avoiding relationship, but you're avoiding it. So can we press in together and have conflict? I want. I hope we do. So, um, so man, uh, we gotta we gotta turn the corner here um, and relate kingdom
1: relationships. To can I say one thing on that? For a moment, please. And please. that, just as he's talking, um, the reason it's not just our value is relationships, but kingdom relationships is, especially in the context of conflict, conflict can be deeply wounding and harmful, and yet we can't avoid it. And so what do we do with conflict? Uh, What we're after is figuring out how to do it God's way. Because there's a way to do it in his kingdom. Uh, and when I say kingdom, that's we're talking about under his authority in this good creation that he's created. How does he want us to do it? And that's what Brendan mentioned, following the example of Jesus. And so I just want you to hear that. We're not just going, hey, just you know, just steamroll into conflict and just blow each other to smithereens. <laughs> we're saying yes. let's do it God's way. Yes. Because we have to figure out how to do it. It's mm-hmm. inevitable in this world that we live in, but we want to be on a journey where we're constantly helping each other and seeing what is God's way of doing conflict. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's important to acknowledge that
0: relationships are risky because, because of this. You know, relationships are risky because of this <laughs> and, what's, and what's in us as the Lord is redeeming us. And, and honestly, that's part of the barrier to forming intentional community within the context of a congregation. And so it's important, I think, that we say, this is risky. You can get hurt, and you probably will get hurt going deeper in relationship with people in this room or uh, people outside this room. Uh, but we believe that this is who we were created to be. We were created to be in relationship with the Lord and with each other. And this is, this is the gospel he is redeeming us what Jesus' work on the cross is victory over sin, death, and Satan applies to our relationships and we need him we need him um one of one of one of the reasons you know relating this back to intentional community groups and these four pillars one of the reasons that that we these four pillars relate to each other and they interact with each other and in relationships is a really good example and that is as we're relating to each other we want it to be centered around the word we need the word in our relationships with each other we need the power of the holy spirit that the person of the holy spirit in us and amongst us as we're doing relationship don't we and, and, and you know what's amazing, and for those of you who have competed on, on uh, athletic teams, there is, when, you're on a, when you're on a mission together, and you're all headed in the same direction, pursuing the same vision, uh, it's a powerful thing. You know, it, you, in, in the context of, of, of racism in America, sports teams that, have, that, that were integrated or even uh, integrated um, military units those 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 groups you saw camaraderie and 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 unity relationship in ways that defied they were countercultural because of the mission aspect of what they were doing and so mission actually unites us and brings us together so these these four pillars do you see how they interact with each other and relate to each other that they don't they don't exist in isolation of each other but they but but they they they're actually woven together and 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 interact with each other to 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 create an environment uh that that we hope adds to relationship that that bolsters relationship that that brings you know this vision of deeper deeper relationship with God and each other transformation and missional living okay John so if I you know really starting to relate this relationship stuff with uh intentional community groups and let me just say to uh, because I don't I not don't know if he said this yet intentional community groups are uh, there's some structure and there, there's there's an aspect of them being programmatic here in 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 this church context and that's to create a space for relationship to happen but we know that, re, that kingdom relationships they're happening they're happening in our lives all mm-hmm. over the place they don't have to happen in the context of a, of a program and we're actually hoping hoping that it's the actually opposite that that the work of the Spirit in us is, is what's driving us, not a program. Um, and, and the same is true in terms of even these goals of what we're hoping intentional community produces. That these things are these things can happen outside of a, of a you know official ICG, and they are happening. So be empowered. That that's the goal. <laughs> the goal isn't to build a list of ICGs of intentional community groups. The goal is to see the vision of what these groups are, happen in our lives. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so, man, if I am uh, new here, uh, and I don't know what an IC, what's, what even to expect in an ICG group, tell, uh, tell me what I would expect if I walked into an intentional community group. What would I experience? What should I expect?
1: Awesome. Um, well, the first thing that I would say is that no two groups will be the same. There's not going to be kind of this one cookie-cutter expectation where you enter into a group and it looks exactly like this group and this group and this other group. Um, We hope that groups take on a certain personality of themselves uh, because there's different leadership gift mixes that exist. We want there to be the personality of the people in the group. That's a beautiful thing, that that creates some of what the group is about. Um, and the other thing is different uh, groups are gonna, like, the, the type of group is gonna look a little different. So for instance, a, uh, a men's pure desire group is gonna, which, which is a group specifically addressing, you know, guys who are dealing with uh, sexual addiction. And we've got those groups for women as well and spouses um, of those who are in that, in a group. Um, that, that's going to have a little bit of a different feel than a life group that's open and has new guests coming in and out. And, you know, I'll hold off any jokes on that. But just the level of kind of where you're going to go immediately in this close-knit, highly confidential uh, group with deep trust, um, we hope that, that those things happen in other groups but there's just going to be some different dynamics there. And even in terms of the content or the topic of, say, someone's doing a, in a, a, more of like a, a study group um, on, you know, for instance, a, a book that we've been enjoying around here called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by Peter Scazzaro. That's going to have a, a bent of content uh, that's still going to have these four pillars, but that's going to be a little different than another group that might be focusing on the book of Philippians um, in the Bible. And so just that sense that there's there's going to be some different dynamics. And partially because of this, we encourage people, try different groups, uh, try different options that are out there. Um, the, but I will say that there is a hope from leadership, at least, that there is a certain core similarity that is present in every one of these groups and that's a, a big part of that are what we're calling these four pillars of intentional community so if there's a group that's you know got three of them but but there's no desire to do relationships God's way that we're hoping you don't walk into that group now imperfect yes but a group that's just deliberately saying we could care less about what Jesus thinks about how we relate to one another. We're hoping that's not what's going on in, in one of these groups. And uh, so hopefully there's a core of it's not just a social club, but we're saying we want the presence of a living God to be moving in our midst. Uh, the, other, the other one piece I'd say is um, there's a, in terms of structure, Different groups are going to look differently, but I think that most are going to have three pieces that I want to just mention quickly. And that is, you can probably expect, if you're in any one of these different types of groups, uh, some sort of relating to one another and to God. That there's some sort of relating taking place, uh, relationally with one another and with God. You also... Uh, can expect that if you're showing up, that there's some sort of reflecting on God's truth. Okay, so there's some place of we're going to reflect on something that is true of who God is and what he says in scripture. Uh, And then lastly, there is an emphasis that we think is important, which is responding in our lives to what that truth is and to what God's doing in those relationships. That there is a place of responding. So relate, reflect, respond. Uh, I think most groups, and our hope is that if you're getting involved, that that's something that you could expect as you show up. That you're going to be experiencing, again, some uh, type of recipe and mixture of uh, these three pieces, these three R's, if you will, um, that are... That are present.
0: It's good. Well, one thing, one thing to interject here that I I think could be helpful is that one of the one of the one of the pieces of uh, a series of conversations that ha- that continue actually uh, centered on what does it look like for us to be a diverse congregation, uh, uh, people from many different cultural, ethnic backgrounds. Uh, it, and still be, you know, on the same page together in relationship, is that if if a small group or an ICG isn't a part of my normal, you know, uh, church experience up to this point, it could be intimidating mm-hmm. to walk into a group where you don't know what to expect. And so we want you to be free to ask questions about a group if this is, and this this in some ways doesn't doesn't even have to relate to. Uh, you know, our, our ethnic diversity. It could be just your church experience as well. So we, want, we, want to, we don't want you to be surprised. We want pleasant surprises, not hmm. unpleasant surprises when you walk into a group. Another another real practical piece is a lot of our groups have something to eat, no pressure. You don't have to do that. But snacks, sometimes groups will get together for a potluck. And, uh, and there, so it's been voiced of, I don't know what to bring. Or I'm afraid if, if I bring what, what I would enjoy, People might not like it, or actually might, I, I might be embarrassed. And, and I just want to say, as a congregation, I think I know the answer is, do we want people to bring who they are and what they are, that we can enjoy it with them, including mm-hmm. food? Yes, we want that. So, so I just want to throw that out there. Again, acknowledge it, that, that this can be risky, and it can be hard, but we want these, these community groups to be a place where people feel safe, Uh, safe uh, to be who they are. Okay, uh, one more question, John. What's the best way uh, for me to get involved? Uh, Especially, what if I don't know people that well in the room? How do I get over that hurdle of going from not knowing anybody in the room, aside from maybe a name, from Mm -hmm. from a name tag, to being in a group, or or at least trying some groups out?
1: Yep. I'm going to answer this quick, just for the sake of time. But uh, you were given a sheet. And if you didn't get a sheet when you walked in with intentional community groups, grab one from the back as you exit. Um, the best way at the moment is to email a leader of a group. So on our uh, soon on our website, uh, these will all be updated. Uh, it's taken a little time because we're changing some of these pieces to get our website up, up to speed. That's why you have a, a printout here. But our leaders are expecting that they will have people reaching out to them um, with, with a level of interest about their group. And so that would be one of my biggest recommendations is take the risk to shoot an email and connect with one of the leaders. Um, there's different types of groups, as you, as you, might, as you see. Um, geography might be the easiest way for you to connect. Find, look See if there's a group that is close to where you live and Uh, reach out to that leader. Um, There might be a different need in your life. At different times, there's groups that fit more with kind of season of life or phase of life that you're in. Um, And then I also, I want to encourage you to, uh, this doesn't work if you're listening on podcast, but come hang out in the driveway after this service um, in just a few moments and connect with some other leaders and uh, meet some folks. And uh, another, another thing is while you're here on a Sunday morning, um, maybe you only know one or two people or, or just that person that you met during the greeting. Uh, ask them what group they're involved with. And uh, don't be afraid to ask other people you know, how they're connected and, and how they're um, involved. And uh, I guess the last piece is uh, there's also this option that Brendan mentioned earlier about starting a discipleship group. And uh, would encourage you to come to that uh, training workshop next Sunday if you're interested. If nothing else, none of these options work or fit, we're saying, hey, anybody who's been following Jesus for longer than three days can gather people to follow Jesus together. And uh, so come, we'll give some basic training, and uh, you could start a group and start uh, meeting and and gathering together. So... um, I want to invite the worship team up. We, uh, As they're coming up, um, I'm going to ask Brendan one, one final question here. But uh, we're, just, we're going to close together singing a, a song together and uh, worshiping together. And then we'll, we'll head, head out to the driveway. And uh, thankful for this great weather. But Brendan, if there was a final thing that you could mention in terms of a takeaway or what you would encourage everybody to be thinking about or walking away with uh, what would that be practically
0: related to intentional community groups i would say this i would invite you to have a conversation whether it's with roommates whether it's a close friend a wife husband and say what does it mean for us to make space in our lives for intentional community because i think what would what would not be good is if you say oh this is another thing to add to my life Versus this is something that's so precious and valuable that I give something else up so that there's room for relationship in, our, in, in my life. So I want to I invite you to that conversation with the Lord and each other. What does it mean for, for us to make space for relationship? And then the practical then is, after that, is, well, who do I relate with? <laughs> who, do I, who do I do community with? So I would invite you to those, those two questions. What does it mean to create space? and who's the lord calling me and maybe that that the answers are already there and that's awesome